for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Guys, we're live from Elk Bros Hog Camp. We're having a blast just being together. But y'all, we're going to take a break from chasing hogs and talk a little bit about some lessons learned. Let y'all know about some awesome Elk Bros developments and get back to answering our list of listener scenario questions. How long does it take for spooked elk to come back to an area? What can you do once a bull walks past you? How do cattle change the elk hunting situation? Tips for learning big country and even a hog question for one of our listeners. Here we go, y'all. Y'all ask and we're going to give it our best shot. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Hog Camp with us. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Hog Camp, from a dis, from a, a undisclosed. undisclosed area up here in the Red River area. Uh, we've got the Venezuelan Mafia in the house. That's right. Leaders. We've got Luis Gonzalez and Manano Graterone in the house with us. We got WWJGD. What would Joe Gillia do in the house? We've got the ninja, ninja. Leroy Chavez. We are missing one important part. That's the legend, R.C. Knox. 
he's still a little puny down with a cold. Yeah. So we, uh, we've, we've, we've been praying for RC so he can get back with us here and chase some of these North Texas pasture roaches we've been after. Uh, Joe, we can talk about a little bit of, uh, lessons from hog camp, can't we? Yeah, we can. But for, for everybody that is listening, we apologize. Um, this is going to be an audio only experience because, uh, Oh, it's, it's primitive. If you could see us right now, we are all packed together around a table in, uh, in the Elk Bros Jumping Jack camper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which all has, of us. it has been our home away from home here in some freezing daggum conditions. Ooh. Yes. Brutal. 16 <laughs> degrees the first morning we were here. Yes. Yeah. Mafia and I got here and set up camp and Joe and met, met Joe and Chav and I mean it was 16 degrees the first morning here. Right. And uh, I mean and brutal. And that wasn't the feels like. The feels no. like was less than that. Yeah, feels like was less than that. <laughs> Sleet, snow, ice all over the ground. Uh, it's been crazy and, and look the hog, yeah. yeah, like Chav said, brutal. And the <laughs> hogs, they've shown up. Yes. <clears throat> oh yeah. Yeah, but that when we talk about lessons, I mean that's a big part of it. I don't, you know, here we were driving out. We honestly thought that we were running away from snow in New Mexico <laughs> and cold weather. <laughs> yeah, and the cold weather, and we thought the further east we went, the better it was going to get, and it was just the opposite. The worst, yeah. And it and it wasn't snow. It's not snow. Ice. It's just ice. It was yeah. ice. Hey, look, ice when you get to Texas, it's just humid, and people don't understand that. And people think, well, heck, you know, it don't get cold in Texas. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, brother, it gets as cold as here anywhere in the country. And what was crazy, it was 16 degrees right here just south of us in Texas, and it was 80 in Presidio. Yeah. So in the state of Texas, it went from 16 to 80 from north to south. Ball so, me to freezing. Yeah. Welcome to welcome to the uh, the country they call Texas, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, we actually slid in. Yeah. <laughs> slid literally, in. literally slid down the and road. It was so doggone cold, and, you know, we had uh, a buddy heater inside here. And and so I, I think I think when, when we start talking about lessons from hog camp, there, there were a few areas. And, uh, you know, for... We talk all the time about being prepared for the types of things you're going to do. And Chav and I are coming out of our element to come do what you guys do all the time. Yes, sir. Right? That's right. So in that, there's some things that we learn, like never shot from a blind, you know. And we've, uh, you know, now now you're sitting in a chair, you're in tight spaces. Right. There's some things that happen in there. First morning... I'm in a in a blind and and let me just tell you the the blind thing is a hard thing for me. It is right. I, I'm, I'm I was with him, guiding him, <laughs> and it is hard for Joe. It's hard for him to stay in one spot and trust that the animals are going to come to him because Joe's a killer, right? When you put him out in the, out in the element, he wants to go take it to the animals. And and look, I, I applaud that. But here, there's a reason why we do what we do, and we had to make adjustments. We had to make adjustments this week too. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe can talk a lot more about the areas where now he knows when he comes here, he's got to make sure that everything fits right. The first thing we try to talk to people about Joe is 
is can you draw your bow sitting down? Will you feed off the ground, right? Oh, geez, and, and, man. In, a, in an enclosed environment. I mean, we get in that blind, and it's cold as a, as a wedge in there. <laughs> I mean, it is literally like an icebox, okay? And he turns the heater on. We got a little heater in the pop-up blind and everything. <laughs> and he turns that heater on, and he's got so many clothes on so we can sit still in there. He tries to draw his bow, and there's no way he's drawing that bow back. Man. Not without being able to raise it up, poke a hole through the roof, and all that. So he's like... Man, I don't, I ain't never, I don't ever have this happen. So again, you know, we, we talk to people all the time. They come into camp and I'm like, all right, guys, well, y'all might be able to draw your bow standing up, but can you do it with your feet off the floor sitting on the ground? And they look at me like, okay, yeah, sure. I can draw the bow, you know, and yeah, I know I can draw my bow. And then sure enough, I get them on stand and they can't draw it back. Big trophy walks in. They can't get the bow back. And they're like, I don't know what happened. Well, I know exactly what happened. Yeah. We didn't prepare for that, right? Yeah. So big, big preparing yeah. moment that Joe knows going forward. Yeah. Too. You're in tight quarters. Yeah. You got all these clothes on. And <clears throat> that's something that even, even when, I, when I'm when i in cold weather guiding or hunting, I never wear, well, number one, Tons of if, if I'm guiding, I'm not having to pull anything back, right? Sure. So it doesn't matter what I wear. But... I've always, when even when we hunt in cold weather, yeah. when you're moving, you only Layers. need so much right, on because right. you're developing. But when you go sit in that daggum thing, man, <laughs> and that cold starts creeping, and I look over and Gilbert's like, what's wrong with you, boy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm built for it, right? Yeah. My blood pressure's high anyway, and I'm built for I don't get cold. And and Luis can attest that. I sat, I sat 40, yeah, I got plenty of fat on my Tail that's, end. A, that's and, a real answer. And, and listen, <laughs> I've sat it's up in the tree. Later, I've been in tree, tree stand with Luis, and we, you know it's twenty three degrees, and he's freezing to death. And I'm like, this is right. Yeah, you know? I'm not. I'm not genetically built for it. That's for sure. But here's another thing. You know, try drawing a bow with a release and mittens. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. That's that a Dude, that's a great like, story. Yeah, look, come on. That's so, a Bento. You yeah, gotta tell this story. You know. So so I want everybody to understand what he's calling mittens, because they ain't like everybody else's. I have a pair of of, of fleece fleece <laughs> gloves. <laughs> it's a shape of a mitten because it keeps and it lets my hands where it has a slit where my fingers can come out. Yeah. It's very lightweight, it and is. I've used them for, I've hunted in them forever. 30 for, something years. Yeah. And I yeah. told him. Yeah, that's they're, they're a like my best friend. Put them yeah. in your pocket. Told no, no, but around but around let's, pocket. Because they ain't let's. doing you no good. When, you, when you're wrestling with them, they're not doing any good. I didn't wrestle with them. Oh, well, well, tell tell the tell the guys the whole story. Why you are saying that? He has well, he's got to take it off to shoot. But what happened before that? What do you mean? What happened? When he started shaking like yeah, he's did, shaking he like what, 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 what happened there? He's trying yeah, to get it go. off, and the hog turns around. And <laughs> yeah, he's looking go. at us. Yeah, the whole here's the thing. I mean, he was, last time we were hunting together, we did a podcast that was in South Texas. He was complaining because the hogs wouldn't stand still. Right yeah. now, we got the hogs sleeping, <laughs> and he's just he waking them up he and was. running them away he before he even takes a shot. How does that work? Hey, look, man. we're poking a lot of fun at, at Brother Joe here, but at the end of the day, this is, these are all failure points that he's learned. These hogs are not easy to hunt. They are very wary quarry. They bed down in areas where you're not going to see a whole lot of them, maybe an ear, yeah. a snout, and, and they pick up movement really well. And if you're 
wasting movements other than being able to draw your bow when you see them, you will miss out on opportunity or blow the opportunity, right? And and, and you brought a a, a great point before. Uh, I don't like uh, any tree stand or or, or a a ground blind either. But uh, there's a reason why. It's really, it's, it's, it's barely impossible to, to do a, uh, to, to get close to the hogs on, on, on the cornflakes. So, right. so, with that said, my best opportunities came on my feet hunting. Yeah, and that's because you know, of what we're, the weather well, pattern. Yeah, the weather in. helped that. And the, the weather. Pattern, yeah. And the food yeah. pattern yeah. and the weather pattern and, and, helped and that. During the winter not time. Only, not only that, but we had an unforeseen event prior to us showing up here. That kind of messed up the Our continuity money. of yeah. the hogs coming well, into the feeders yeah, where I, you would have had an opportunity. Yeah, I understand that. But uh, what I want to do out of this, though, is if the way we apply this to elk okay. hunting, yeah. I, I want to reverse that role a little bit because I'm always telling people, like, you're a whitetail hunter. When you come hunt elk, you're not a whitetail hunter. You're an elk hunter. It's right. totally different. But yet... I think everybody has to learn to acclimate to the type of prey that they're after, right? Yes. So when I come out here and I start moving through an area and I'm with Luis, you know, as a kid, when I used to hunt, you know, uh, or when we hunted deer and muleys, me and Chav, we would, I mean, we're stealthy. We would move through quietly, taking a step here, taking, and after a, a, just a little bit, you're checking because now the view has changed. You can see a new horn or a new ear or something like that. Well, when I showed up here, and this is where it makes me understand people that come out west, and that, that's what I'm trying to relate right, here, right, right, right. is that when I came here, when I'm moving through, first of all, I, I'm still moving through like an elk hunter. Mm-hmm. I'm moving through, and I'm looking for things like an elk. I'm looking for something that is sticking up, Ear sticking out, a horn, and these critters are yeah, down low. So, so hogs don't have horns. No, just, they don't. Just, <laughs> just, just, just clarify. Well, Andrews, neither do Andrews, elk. Andrews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the 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 thing about that is, is that my my mind is trained to look for something. So yes, that's yeah. where the first thing I have to tell people when they come out west to elk hunt. You almost have to change your mind's training. Yes, and it happened to me. Yeah, it happened to me. I remember that pretty yeah. clear. I was like trying to hide behind trees, and you go, okay, Manano, you gotta be in front of a tree and get yeah. an opportunity to get a shot. Yeah, and you so. you had you had some good points about animal behavior as well, because mm-hmm. you know it's just like you're like, man, I just you know don't understand how these critters actually you know work or move or I'm not sure what I'm looking for when I see them, but once you started seeing them. Vet it, walking through the woods and stuff like that. You immediately picked up. It was like, oh, now I know what I'm looking for. Right. And yeah, yes. you, you have to adapt to the prey yes. or what you're hunting for yes. and the environment. Right. And take right. all that into account. Yeah. And 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 that that's kind of the message. It's yeah. about the adaptation. It's about changing your mindset. Because once I did that, then things changed for me. You know, right. now I started spotting pigs that were bedded Mm -hmm. you know but yet when i was able to go back to my old type of ways of when we mule deer hunted into stalking them that was some of the funnest things yeah but but there was even another learning curve and and this is something that i want to talk about because it's not anything that i'm real proud of and that's why i've got to get it out there is that 
when I came here, I know that pigs are a nuisance. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a lot of pigs that need to be taken here. But for me as a hunter, I still have this responsibility when I take a shot. I mean, I'm here on the guys on on your lease, right? But yeah. but that's that's the way it should be, Joe. Even though it's just a nonsense, right? It, it, it's gotta be that way. Exactly. I mean, and, in my opinion, right. the way I see it. Yeah, but I mean, I don't disagree. And you gave it all your effort to look. You know, so look so, so he's getting ready to say. And yeah. what happened is, is I came out this morning, and and. You know, Gilbert and I decided to go put on the stock on animals. So, and so let's talk about that before you get into yeah, it. All right. We, we made a solid shift change from sitting feeders and sitting stationary to spot and stock. And there's a reason for that. Joe and Chab the day before. Oh, me and Luis. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Joe and Luis, uh, the day before made a little stock in an area that was uh, the wind was conducive for it and everything else. And they actually got on some animals, right? How many actually? Yeah. More than Probably 25. About 20 altogether. Yeah. More than 25. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when, when I heard that, yeah. when I heard that, I know how Joe likes to hunt. <laughs> Luis and I talked about it and, uh, Luis said, do you want to take him in the morning? And I, I said, yeah, let me do some map study. I want to, I want to do, study the prevailing wind. I want to look for some pinch points <clears throat> and then I want to take Joe and we'll slip through the woods like he likes to. We got to slow Joe down a little bit, but we did. We, and he even said it. Mm-hmm. Joe even said, look, I, I feel like we're going a little too fast. I said, you're 100% right. If you think we're going slow, we need to slow down. And we didn't make it to the first area when we turned into the wind. We did just like we do at elk camp. If the wind ain't right, we walk it out until we turn around and head back into the wind, right? And when soon as we turned into the wind, we jumped a hog, bedded down. Huh, right. Joe? Yeah. And, yeah. and, from then, from there forward, it was the adjustments that we made that changed the whole trip. Yes. From us just sitting in blinds and waiting for them to come to us to taking the fight to them because we figured out one thing. They were hung up on agriculture. Yeah, there were ag fields and so they were actually bedding in areas just off the ag fields because yeah. of the cold, cold weather. And then the discovery of the pecans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Luis kept asking Food me. Food source. Yeah, Luis kept asking me, how come you think, Beto, how come you think they're out there in those fields? And I'm like, well, all the acorns have already fell, so let me go look. And, and uh, they put me by myself yesterday, and I said, let me take a rifle with me because I know these boys want some hog meat, and if I see one, I'm going to shoot one, and I know I'll knock him down, right? Well, I Michael didn't get... Michael Starr for what? I, huh? <laughs> bows are for hunting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. I tell people all the time, bows are for hunting, rifles are for killing. Okay? <laughs> so, I sell that, say that all the time. I wanted to kill a hog, so I took my rifle, my smoke pole with me, and I went and sat in, a, in an area that we'd been seeing a few hogs. And I wanted to see what the deer were doing out there in the middle of this field. Well, I get out there, and I haven't even got to the blind. They were going, I'm going to sit in a block, box blind, and I see a big group of 20 hogs come out in the middle of that field, and they're doing exactly what Luis said. So I put a stalk on them, got within about 240 yards of them, of them shot a really big old, a really beautiful sow, and then the whole pig herd took off. So as I'm walking in to the set to where that, pig is i look up and it's we didn't even know that they were here but every tree out in the middle of that field is a pecan tree a pecan or a big uh 
a big white oak acorn tree. And I'm like, man, when you got post oak acorns or white oak acorns and pecans, those pigs love the pecan hulls. And in the late season, they'll eat every sour pecan that's on the ground and the hulls and the meat out of the hulls that fall from the pecan trees. So bordering all of these ag fields here, or pecan trees. Yeah. And that's what's holding the hogs in there. You can actually examine their scat and see it in their scat. Yeah. Grains. The yeah. yeah, you and see the seeds and everything. Because else. of the cold weather, it seemed like they were feeding a lot longer in the ag fields or even yeah. earlier. Yeah. So their bedding areas were a lot closer. They weren't traveling that yeah, far. Yeah, and the, it was areas where it was shielding them from wind. From right. wind, awesome. too. Yeah. yeah. We had a real but, strong northeast wind. Yeah, they were cover. And they, they wanted cover. So when Joe and I turned into that wind this morning, it was eye-opening how many hogs we got into. Yeah, and and but let's again, let's tie this in. Think about this, man. It's a different time of year. The animals are acting a little bit differently. They're going to their best food source. They're yeah. getting protection from the elements. They're changing their behavior because of the weather conditions. All of this, guys, totally applies to elk hunting. So uh, I, I just want to make sure that, that we put that out there. And being able to adapt from whatever your given animal and style is when you come out to something new. is It's not really, it's like I felt, I really felt like lost out of my element because I did not know the critter well enough and had to learn it. And as I started, and it don't take me long. No, I got you adapted very quickly. You adapted the situation pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah adapted and very well. But... But at, but there, here it goes again. So we're out in that morning and we're hunting and we go out and, and, you know, now I had a real good guide because he was like staying behind me. Actually, I was filming, so I can't film from the front because I'm going to get, I'm going to get something stuck in me if I do. So, and, and listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm, 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 I'm no. I'm not camera A and I ain't camera double A, okay? <laughs> Big O gets lost in the moment, okay? Cause I love the thrill. Emotional. Yeah, I'm emotional guy and I love the thrill of the hunt, right? So I'm f- constantly having to pet my own self up and say, come on man, you got to get that camera rolling, you know? Cause I, I, the first hog that we get up, man, I'm, I'm thinking about killing him myself, you know, and I, and I'm thinking about Joe killing him and I, I ain't got it on film, you know, I'm like, dang gum. So the second one, I did get on film and listen, Joe, Joe was perfect in that. He has the lead. We're going really slow. It's maybe, maybe 75 yards from the first hog we jumped on huh, Joe and, and the hogs coming down this dry creek. We got the wind in our face. Hogs coming down this dry creek. North. And yeah, we got the wind coming right in our face. Hogs coming right down the dry creek. And again, the old little old, so the little right, old so, bit so, come so, into so. play. He had to jerk that mitten off, put it on the ground. So he, you right? know, here's where the story gets, gets Interesting. embellished because <laughs> Gilbert had no idea that there was a pig there That's until I true. started throwing off my mitten. That's not true. <laughs> you got it on video. The re- the, the re- yeah, the reason why I didn't know there was a hog there is because Joe's big head is right in front of me. Okay? I can't see past it. But when he, starts, when he starts jerking the mid off, I'm like, oh, well, there got to be something coming. So when I look out, sure enough, you can see the black you're hog. you're lucky he in. was looking at the pig and not to the side because if it was on the side, you would have seen even less. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, man, at the, at the end of 
other day, I did pick the pig up, okay? And he didn't want to, he stopped and he looked at us like, man, what was that, right? He picked up movement and he right. looked at us and stopped. And then he took off trotting. And I'm like, well, I'm going to stop him. You can hear in the video, I growl at him about three times. Like that. And he finally stops broadside at about 20, 25 yards. And we had a pretty good shot at him too. Had him stopped. Whole nine yard. Joe draws really well and, and lets the arrow go and it's just a little high, right? And the animal did go, you can see in the video, animal drops a little bit. I just, no, Joe, it was operator error. So well, I hunted South Texas for you guys, man, and those doggone pigs just Move. never sit still. They never sat still. Yeah. And when that pig was moving and running, mm. I'm on him. And then when he stopped for a second, I, I literally, Everything I lost it. Yeah, I mean <laughs> target I, panic. Everything I even you know again I, I'm doing stuff with a release, so I'm trying to think about all these things. I'm trying to think about this anchor, and I'm, it's all these new things to me, and this new animal, and I I even and you had extra layers that you don't normally have, <laughs> and then also the string hit your jacket. It, uh, it hit my jacket a little bit, but. But the, it was me, y'all. I yeah. mean, I I punched the trigger. Yeah. I did everything wrong, mm -hmm. and I just shot right over the daggone whalers of this critter, man. Yeah. And and I I just lost it. You know, I saw animal, and I didn't I didn't let myself focus. Yeah. I wasn't in the moment. That was on me. Yeah. It was totally on me. And Gilbert's like, oh, bro, man, he just kind of drives like, no, no, dude. <laughs> he said, don't sugarcoat this, bro. I, 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 I missed. It's, I said, hey, bro, you know what the good thing is? Is that while you've been looking for your arrow and everything, I've heard a whole bunch more hogs up in front of us. Yeah. So yeah. I said, let's just keep moving up this draw, you know. We're going to put the wheel back on the bus, and we're going to get right back at it. You know, He's got a damaged wheel. You know, he his, his old arrow hit something in that old old red clay. I don't know what it was, but it shattered that rascal like it wasn't even a $3 watch, you know. I told Joe, and, and look, Joe's been here this whole time to figure out whether his setup was worthy of punching through a hog shoulder. That okay? was, and that's been what he's wanted to do the whole time. Yeah, we had a discussion when I got here, because if you guys have all listened to our last podcast on heavy arrows, that's yep. been a big discussion. Because I've really never had a setup that I was one of those guys, I get arrows, I put broadhead on it, and I go kill things, man. I, I never worried about the science. I never thought about it. And now that we've been introduced to it, there's some things like my bow shoots. I, I, I never knew this before, but now I know my arrows weigh 477 grains, right? It's coming out of my bow at about 285 feet per second. Right? I'm so proud of you, Joe. I'm so proud of you. Oh, man. <laughs> well, and, and so there was a big discussion because Luis, number one, got butt hurt because I bought arrows from somebody without having him make them. Uh, right? Don't go that way. Don't give him yeah, and, yeah, and, and then when we got here, he had built Chav some arrows, and which was really awesome because mm -hmm. Chav shoots so, a lower right. weight. So, right, Chow? Yeah. Yeah. And so, 202. Yeah. Something. <laughs> Feet per second, yeah. So, we wanted to increase his effectiveness even at the pole that he's pulling. Right. And through all of the stuff, and, and Luis is, <clears throat> he's kind of smart. 
But, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's the, uber smart. Yeah, no. the guy's sharp, and, and he did this stuff for Chav. He was so anxious to try that out. So we had a big discussion, and I brought, and I'm like, dude, because I know what my arrows have done even lighter, you know, at what I shoot going through elk. And, and I tell you what, I don't care what animal it is, if you hit it in the right place, It'll it's going to go down, right? Yeah, down. Okay, now with that said, these hogs are a different critter because where we tell people to stay away from certain things, uh, you go to hit in the kill area of this, you are really risking hitting them in that, in that shoulder plate, that, that plate that they have, right? Yep. So it's like an armor plate. Well, yeah. Luis with, in Gilbert, uh, with y'all's arrows and shooting a heavy arrow set, you guys have been blowing through those animals yep. no matter where you hit them at, mm-hmm. right? Right. So this is, again, testament to arrows for big game animals. So mm-hmm. when Joe comes here, you know, I'm always the devil's advocate. And I'm like, dude, I've been killing air, you know, elk all these years, blah, blah, blah. Well, I purposely said, I want, you know, because you guys said, well, Manano says, you got to hit him right above that knuckle on the leg, Mm -hmm. and you can avoid that plate. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, look, if Luis and Gil were to blow through that plate, I think my setup will blow through that plate. Right. So I'm going to aim mid-body above that leg and go for it. And you have more speed than we do. Right, more. absolutely. Way more speed. And, and, so I, and I'm shooting at 30 and a half inches. Which, which right. is something that you know, we try to drive on that podcast is that speed may not necessarily be what really delivers the payload. Absolutely. Right? Momentum is what people should concentrate on, yeah. not kinetic energy, not speed. Right. Yeah. So, I, and I can tell you this, um, I got I got embarrassed today. Literally. I mean, I got embarrassed today. Come on, man. Because, honestly, man, I mean, I had to text my wife and tell her, you know, this story that, you know, after we, after I use her error, right, well, we are moving from there, and I spot a pig right. bedded down in the this bottom. Yep. And I got that pig at about 30 yards. Yep. And... So it's it's facing away from me, so it's kind of a quartering away shot. I figured kind of where everything should be, and I take that shot, and I mean that pig gets center, up. Center you know? point stick. Yeah. yeah. No, it, this, this, this is the other one. Yeah, this this is the one that okay. it's it's, it's quartering, quartering into yeah, it, quartering away. away. Yeah. And this pig gets out of there, and it goes and twenty yards, twenty yards, and it's standing there, and it's just it's bleeding. But I didn't at that angle. And I, knowing that, uh, Gilbert had a rifle with him, I wanted to finish it, so we tried to put another shot, and I don't even know if he, I don't even I know if he I, hit that shot. I, I think, no, I think I probably hit a limb. It was so thick in there where right. he was standing. I think I hit a limb with my rifle, and, and, and never did get him, and he kept going, he had your arrow in him, and so we right. did not get a pass through, we did not find that arrow. But and, when we go and check the blood, man? Oh, man. I mean, it's like, and the way it got sick there, and with that quartering in shot, yeah. I'm like, okay, we, we decided Let's back out, right? We're going to back out, and and we're going to come because that's going to be a dead pig. I, in my mind, that pig was dead. I yeah. mean, seeing what I saw, sure. it was dead. So we heard some other pigs above us, right? So while we're checking that, we hear some other pigs, and Gilbert says, "John, man, I heard some over there." And so 
as we're going over towards her, I look and I see them up on the side of the mountain, on the side of the hill. Yeah. So we go up and Gilbert's filming and he's, he, and I start a stock. I think we're probably 85 at the yeah. time when I start. We're top out. Uh-huh. And look, I wanted again, I wanted a responsible kill. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. wanted to get up as close as I could effective. I didn't want to swing That's an arrow. Yeah. And and there was a big sow that was bedded down. You could barely see the back and the nose. And all these other ones are milling. And I don't know how long it took me to put that stock Tw- on. 12 minutes. But I ended up getting right up about 30 yards yep. on them. And that's when the wind shifted. And I recognized it shifted. And I was getting ready to shoot. Another pig had come in. The big boar. A big boar came in, smelled me, and Got started taking up. the other ones away. Yeah. And I, man, that other, that sow stands up. I'm drawn at full draw. Yep. And I looked exactly where I said I wanted to kill that animal, where we talked Gee, about. Dogs, and dogs, I was like, dogs, if they can dogs. punch through that, I can punch through it. And I let the arrow fly. That pig went down like somebody kicked it in the side. Yep. Boom. Knocked it off its feet. Mm-hmm. I could have sworn that I popped through both shoulders, but it wasn't the case. One shoulder yeah. and the arrow hanging out of him a long way. Got, like, we think, three, we three think four inches. You put it in the right yeah, place. I think he got, I think got, he got one light arrow. Yeah. So, so I did not get, long story short, I didn't get the penetration. And I and when the animal went up in the brush, I thought it was going to die. expire right there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but I, I want people to understand how tough these yeah. hogs are. <coughs> yeah. These hogs are incredible. And what you saw today, I've seen so many times here. Yeah, me and too. it's happened to me so many times. Mm-hmm. Where I think it's a good shot and where I, or where I see a ton of blood and I'm thinking that animal is dead and then <laughs> The blood just dies Runs out, out and, and they're then gone. they're gone it's like and never vaporized. find. It. So I mean, it's just they're just incredibly tough, man. And, and and you, the thing is that they could be astaf is not tougher than an elk, but it it makes it exponentially more tough because of their reduced size. I mean, right. you think an elk because it's bigger is going to be tougher? Not necessarily. Right. Yeah, what right. what got me was. You know, Gilbert filmed it and he showed it to me. And when when he hit that uh, pig, it dropped. Yes, and I said, oh, for, for a while, it dropped, and then it stood it up and took off. And I go like, "Holy cow!" Yeah, she went for he a was it hard enough to fall to get slammed yes. to the ground, but he still got up. Got up. That'll tell you the energy that comes from that bow is a yeah. lot, but it just doesn't have enough to get through. Power. I, so it, there's some things that we can do to help with that. Uh, number one area where we shoot them, we don't really want to shoot them right there if you don't have to, right? If Joe gets the other side, we get that other lung, and that, and that hog's, that hog's dead within a hundred yeah. yards, okay? If you gotta chase a hog more than a hundred yards, you probably didn't get something lethal, right? And you need to back out and let them be. And yeah. that hog got with another group of hogs, and they just kept right on rolling, right? And, yeah. and look, you know, um, I'm running a camera. And I've got a rifle with me, but I wanted Joe to put his hands on that hog, so I really didn't want to shoot. I wanted everything to play out so we could play it all out on film, and y'all will see it. I'm sure Joe will publish this and stuff. But at, at the end of the day, Joe and myself and everybody learned real valuable lessons on exactly, number one, shot placement, and really you've got to be able to get both sides 
of that hog shot, right? Same thing yeah. with elk, guys. Yeah. We, we, we preach two holes, right? And yeah. when you split two ribs on an elk, you're probably not going to hit anything real strong. Right. So you don't right. have to have all that, right? Right. right. But these hogs are extremely well, their kill area is so tied small. up. Yeah. It's small. just very small. small. Talking about six, six inches. Yeah. So right. I, I want to say something because I know we're getting there, and we started off saying that you, you know, you just didn't feel, you know, very good because we had a conversation. I told you, I said, Joe, I mean, I've, I've seen this a lot. When, <laughs> when, when this blood trail starts you know dissipating the way these blood trails are dissipating you, we're not going to find these hawks and i mean and the blood at first yeah. was like white was. on i mean up high on yeah. everything yeah. everywhere i yeah. mean honest i'm in my mind i'm like just waiting to see that pig right. down so it, i to me it's been interesting because i i'm seeing your you go through what you what did. exactly what I went through with the, with the elk and you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to repeat back to you the words you told me <laughs> when that happened. You know, you told me a couple of things. You said, you know, because I was tore up when I couldn't find my first right. elk, right? And, he was ready and, to quit and, mohunting. And we mm-hmm. thought, and we thought the same thing. We thought we were going to find that elk right away, right? Yeah. Um, but you told me to get back in the saddle, <laughs> and then you know, keep after it. You said, you told me, Luis, you gave that elk a ton of effort to try to find it. You were responsible about it. You cared, and that's all that matters. And you were ethical about it, and and you care, and that's what matters. And the exact same thing. The only difference being, you are helping us with the hogs. I understand you wanted to find it, and, and that's all fine, but... For you to go and, and, and give yourself another opportunity for other hog is you getting back in the saddle and you helping yeah. us out too. Because as you all could see, we saw more than 30 hogs a day Easy. here. We also <laughs> found a nest of a pigs. Nest. And Joe caught, Joe I, yeah, actually I, caught a piglet. I did. Yeah. He caught a wild <laughs> yeah. piglet yeah. And, and held it in his arms and the piglet led him. He wasn't mm-hmm. all squalling and he squalled a little bit at first, but Joe was like little Chester, man. He's, just rubbing on little Chester, and he bought and then they put him back in the, the nest. Yeah, and then right? yeah, we put then him back. back we yeah. put him back in his nest. I put him back. What in was nest, cool yeah. is in that in that whole set. What people aren't going to understand is we actually watched those hogs developing nests. That was incredible. That, that was my for first that time, other, actually. For that other I, I never seen that before. They yeah. were they weren't doing it for That's them. Rare they were doing it for sure. So these hogs now help one another. Yes. They work in sounder groups yes, that, where that, they they take care of one that another. That to me was unbelievable, and that explains a lot of their behavior too when yes. the sows work together with the two litter uh, yeah, groups of uh, yeah. piglets right yeah. and they and have they centuries they out. have lookouts yeah they have every you know like like uh, these piglets were only about 12 inches long yeah they were I little mean, bitty just it, born. It, it, they look like rabbits actually yeah. they had striped yeah. ones and yeah. black ones yeah. And, yeah. so so what we got to see is we got to see some unbelievable footage of how hogs interact with one another, and yeah. now we understand them a lot better because yes. of what they've what they've done. Yeah, I mean so, the stuff that we were able to pick up from them with regards to the time of the year, like you said, mm-hmm. the 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 what they're eating, mm-hmm. their behavior, how they're staging in different areas yeah. of this land, yes. um, based on because. We saw some changes in the behavior, right? For sure. And so it, it was, uh, 
it was pretty cool, man. I, I, I gotta say, I had a blast. I mean, just watching Joe fall on the ground about <laughs> five times every day, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, Look, you know. What I will tell you is, what I, what I will tell you is, Joe's been very humble and, and he's always that kind of guy. You know, he pulls himself out of his comfort zone religiously to come out and learn some new things with us. And I think he has a newfound respect for woodsmanship out here in this rugged country, man. And and this is a true test of your will to be able to come out here and stalk these critters and be able i'm gonna tell guys like i tell y'all i mean you guys are some of the best hunters i hunt with you and manana and and y'all religiously can come out here and stalk these pigs up joe's the same way incredible stalker incredible woodsman right and and then to finish the deal off guys if you can do this man when you take it, take these lessons out west, they just bolster your game that's, for being out west. That's right. the point I'm trying to make is, yeah. is out of all of this is that all of us have our own perspectives from our area and what we do and the things right. that we do. So, you know, you got to understand that, you know, people that are out there out west already, the reason a lot of them are in that 10% club is because of their experience level, their knowledge level, which what we're trying to help you with right now, right? Sure. And and what I want you to understand is you just don't you just don't get your knowledge level better only with being out west. There's things that you can do no matter what, learning the adaptation of animals what's driving that which is their feed yeah which is the water which is the breeding you know all of those things the pressure you know you you said tonight you guys said that you went to one of the the blinds that you had set up and you saw all the pigs there at that particular blind Mm -hmm. well we had just got done pushing them because i shot a pig with a rifle this this afternoon yeah, while we were looking for rifles are for what joe <laughs> <laughs> they're for a long distance reach out and touch someone yeah. that's the indians <laughs> yeah and uh yeah even indians change it you know, yeah. they change and, the you know what yeah. i i should have i should have killed a pig with my bow but it didn't happen yeah. because I was hard headed, and and I and I think I think that needs to come out. Like I said, I was embarrassed. I I got humbled because there's things that we think we know and that we want to stick with because of the fact that we've done it all this time. Right. Well, that doesn't mean that you're going to get away with it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, I said, I yeah. And the point is, you never stop learning. Right. That's right. Absolutely. And that's why we're doing this podcast. But but I think you're, you're, I think you're being a little too hard on yourself too. Because I mean, to be honest, you know, you were still pretty open to all the feedback, man. For sure. And look, for somebody that's been hunting with a bow for 40 years, uh, in a certain way, and then come out here and just take, you know, take the feedback from rookies like, you know, me and Manano in a way that we will never haven't been hunting this amount of time and take it positively and adapt and still connect and all that stuff. I think, I mean, you you, you, you give yourself a little break. Yes. Part of this was science project for you too. It it was, but now you see the animal. Okay. But listen, these animals here are, they're 
highly overpopulated too. Yeah, I get so that. I get that. I promise you they won't it's go funny. to waste. I, the coyotes are and going to I totally the coyotes know that, and man. everybody else are going to look get to, I, I don't to think anything their, ever goes to food. waste. Right, right, That's right. not the point. You I know? got you. I but got you. but for me I I, I it's about my ethics. Yeah, yeah. So and, and, and you exhausted yeah. everything about going back in there and trying to find these critters in the world they live in, which is Man, some places Bray Rabbit can't get through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is super tough. No, and I understand that I go and give up, but I had to go give up my best bet. And you did. And you did. So, and you did. Yeah. And, and you twice. Did. I mean, I mean, twice. twice. And then you went out there and stayed out there the whole day. Yeah. Looking for these animals. Well, they, right? they, I mean, yeah, that's part of it, man. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, it's funny, I, I, I told my wife, you know, uh, I, because I'm not proud of the fact I hate to have to tell my wife that I hit an animal and I didn't recover. Yeah. That's uh-huh. one thing that I hate doing. But, and then I was like, well, it's bittersweet. I shot one with the rifle, you know, yeah. one shot, put it down, dropped <laughs> it right away. Uh, and, and we got meat coming home. I mean, you guys had killed With some horse. With your Black and... Hound scope, brother. Oh, yes, yeah. sir. Black Hound was, yeah. yeah. That's right. Black Hound represented on the Elk. They Rose sure Hall. did. And, and you know, I never thought I was going to be the one using a Black Hound. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Black Hound. Y'all built some incredible products. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great scope. Uh, we yeah. were out on that field and, uh, you know, we're just actually talking about, you know, this, this hog. Yeah, you just behavior. said there ain't going to be any in the area because we were just all there. Remember? Yeah, I was <laughs> like, man, we're just going to, you know, we've, we've been through all of this. We had and then, pushed pretty good today. And yeah. then I look to the left and, and I see something way out there, man. And I just like. <laughs> in the trees. In the all trees. The and I was them, like, uh-huh. what is that? And then I keep talking to Joe and then I turn around and it almost feels like that black shadow I've seen kind of move kind position. Of so I'm like, <laughs> I said, Joe. Give me the scope. Give me the rifle here real quick. So I, you know, he gave me the rifle with the Blackhound scope. And then I looked through it and I was like, holy crap, Joe, there's a group of pigs over there. You know, let's go after them. And so we did, man. And we put a great stock on them. Yeah. And uh, and Joe put uh, offhand, took a great shot. I mean, he was off about, you know, two or three inches. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, (laughs) it was a head shot. Yeah, yeah. Shot him in the head. Yeah. It was a, that's where we told him. We, him, we, we told shoot him, him right, in the head. We ain't got to go chase him. Right below the ear. And yeah. uh, so, you know, it was a great well, shot. And then I, I was messing with him because I said, yeah. And he, he, because he goes, man, but yeah. I said, Joe, you need to be right here instead of right here. And then he goes, but I was offhand, man. I said, yeah, but I mean, that was a 40 yard shot. And he's like, <laughs> he, and you could see his wheels turning and trying calculating in his mind. He's like, no, man, I wasn't that close. <laughs> I just went laughing. I was like, I don't know. It was like, what, 100, 120 yards? Yeah, about 120 yards yeah, away. Awesome. Through the well, trees, though, man. Yeah, Through yeah, the yeah. trees. It was shot. Yeah, it, it was, was a great shot. shot. But was I still fun. had to pull his hey, so, well, so but, but, I, but I missed, too. Yeah. So I yes. had missed. Well, the, the thing is, I was in. able to... To see the bullet flying, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you hit the willow, like the and, I, and I hit a willow, yeah. so I didn't miss. Yeah, they, technically, the, the hogs were moving. You shot the. I saw the you, bullet. You shot the bullet. You shot the tree instead of the hog. Yes, okay. <laughs> and, uh, but I, it's technically, <laughs> technically, I didn't miss. Right, you hit the tree. Yes, that's right. <laughs> technically, right. So uh, we so, had, a, as y'all can hear, we've had a heck of a time here at Hog Camp. Uh, we do have hog meat headed west. Uh, they're going to get to taste some of the delectable oh, yeah. hog yeah. meat that's yes. here. Um, Joe killing a hog this 
this uh, this yeah, afternoon. Yeah, uh, and I wanted Dagum Chow to get a shot there. We but, did. But we were was, close, though. But, but close yeah, last night, for yeah. sure. Close encounter. We Got a lot of deer, huh, Chow? Yeah, yeah, it was a, to me, it was still a great experience. You know, we have an occasional whitetail on the Cimarron River, but man, I saw probably over a hundred. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, close, close up. Twelve, yeah. twelve yeah. yards. And, uh, yeah. It was pretty neat. You know, I've never seen, yeah. uh, never seen that. And y'all saw some of them pigs Bob last night. Well, and what about, and, and what about the the five or six big old oh, hogs? Oh yeah, we saw some big old hogs. I got the little know, in the shadows, but they, they wouldn't they wouldn't come in. You know, and then and then the bobcat. We oh, and the bobcat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been a it's been a heck of a time up here in the last few days. I mean, and the weather has not super been conducive yep. for us to to get it done. But we made adjustments. Right. We did the right things. We figured I mean, out some things. And, and, and look, I was going to mention that as far as adaptation goes, because that's what this we known for. we we had this this time set for this trip. And yeah. then things started happening, right? RC yeah, got no. sick. RC, 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 then we tried to reschedule. RC, it. bud, shout out to you, man. <laughs> yeah. well, well, man. RC lives in Dagum, Siberia, New Mexico, and he went <laughs> he went all the way to Maui, Hawaii, and got sick. Fish, <laughs> so, yeah, with a cold. Yeah, with a cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we we try to reschedule. It was impossible to fit all the schedules to mm-hmm. to make them work. So, but when we saw. What was going to happen this week? We had to reconvene yeah. uh, again, not to be redundant, but because we we're going to have Arctic blizzard because in it, here. It was just going to be <laughs> way too cold. Weather. I have never been on this place with snow, ice, even yeah. less ice, yeah. ice or like the blizzard that we went through. So, yeah. I mean, we re- we kind of prepared for the cold weather, but again. It was just completely different to where Manano and I have ever yeah. seen in this place. It's never been this cold. We've never hunted never. with such a cold weather here right. before. So, I mean, it's just talk about trying to make lemonade out of lemons. Yes. I mean, yeah. again. And we had a blast. I thought we killed it. Yeah. I thought we killed it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely killed And I'm going to give a shout out for Buddy Heaters, man. I'm telling you, Joe couldn't have hacked it. I told him we were in that blind and he said, Man, can you know, I'm going to move it over here. I said, Joe, you take that heater all the way over there with yeah. you, brother. I said, I got so many clothes on, I, that heater's gagging me, dude. And, you got to get it over there with you, man. And here's the other thing. You know, again, we talked about some events that we you had here in the area, some people potentially trespassing. And, and, yes. and we, we, had, we had set up the, prior to this trip. Weeks prior, yep. Pop-up blinds and everything so chaff could hunt all places, right? And then... We get in here, one of the pop-up blinds is compromised, like collapse. Yeah. Uh, you know, somebody had hunted in one of the uh, other setups that we had. And, and killed something and, fresh. And killed something fresh. So, I mean, we had to deal with that. We had, that. To, we had to get with the game wardens. Right. Uh, and then we had our, our friend, Charlie... Charlie Newberry. Shout out, yeah. brother. Yeah. So, and, and, and Charlie. In fact, we're going to hear about that here in a minute. We'll yes. talk a little bit more about Charlie. So, uh, so that was a good wrap up of how this has gone and how mm-hmm. you learn lessons from that. And, uh, yeah, so, so let's, we'll, we'll move on to some of this other stuff. I want to talk about Joe introducing uh, a whole new model <laughs> to the outdoor industry yes. from none other than Elk Bros Adventures. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, and there may be a chance for someone to win a hunt 
with Elk Bros this September. That's right, y'all. I said Elk Bros Adventures this September. This is our hunt. This is our hunt. You're going to be in Elk Camp. So they're going to try my paella. Is that right? And you're going to get to eat Manano's paella cooking and picanha at the end. I mean, it's going to be straight up off the chain, guys. So we're going to let Joe talk about that in more to come. Yeah, so we're not going to give away a whole lot yet, um, but there has been an incredible development. Elk Bros now, um, we are we are now outfitters in New Mexico. However, don't let that name fool you because we are absolutely changing the model. We will not be outfitting in that sense. In fact, the people that um, will be contracted contracted with us will not have an, a guide they will have a coach so what we're looking at doing in elk bros adventures is something where people that are out there that want to hunt but they don't necessarily want a guide but they want to learn they need that mentorship they need that security they need somebody to teach them proof we're, we're going to be doing exactly what we're doing right now with you um, what I've done with Luis, what I've done with Manana, what I've done with Gilbert is that um, when you contract with Elk Bros Adventures, you're, you're Bros bringing Bros. your own gear because you've got to have the stuff to find the failure point so that you're getting ready to do your own DIY. You're bringing your own food. And, you know, we are not, we are not responsible for your success as a hunter. We are responsible for making you a better elk hunter. Teach. So Teach. that's that's the whole model of what we're doing. So you're actually you're having a on your shoulder partner, consultant, uh coach, teacher, um, that is helping you become a better elk hunter and having that experience so that you can then take it from there. That's the model of Elk Bros Adventures and And you're gonna get to do it with the Elk Bros crew this September. It's Really? <laughs> it's going to be way cool. Holy. And you can bet Big O will be primed up and ready to go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're actually going to, and, and here's the cool thing is, is like looking at our model when somebody does contract with one of our coaches for one of our hunts and like whoever's going to win this hunt, they will be contacted by the Elk Bros success team. So they'll be contacted by Leroy Chavis on conditioning and preparation. They'll be contacted by Luis Gonzalez about their setups and their arrows and their, and their equipment. They'll be contacted by, uh, Gilbert or Nellis about possible failure points and things to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they'll be, they'll be contacted by myself on, on uh on setups and calling and and teaching them that so they hit the ground running. running. So we're not going to give you all of the just yet, but still in the works. We are definitely going to have uh an opportunity for somebody to win an elk hunt and be with us on our elk hunt on the Elk Bros elk hunt. You'll be with us in camp, experiencing us in camp. Um, experiencing each one of the fellows on there, you know, as far as uh, an opportunity to be out with each one of us uh, as we're out there and experiencing New Mexico, man. And um, we're excited about that. There's more to come. Uh, we're just going to tease you a little bit with that. Uh, we hope that a couple of you are as excited as we are. 
and you know because uh, whoever gets that opportunity we're just looking forward to sharing our camp with you so that's going to be cool yeah we don't know how we're going to drop it to you guys whether joe's going to have a special podcast where we put it out on instagram and youtube and stuff like that but it's coming y'all just be primed up and think about which one of you guys want yeah. to put in and come hunt with the this is Rose. fresh off the press this we just had this conversation just right had prior the conversation to the podcast right here Absolutely. had many conversations and that's one of them and uh Guys, you know what time it is. Yeah, it's but we're not going to be doing our oh, normal right. shout-out. Not going to so do we're not going to do the cities. Here. We right. don't have them right. this week on this. Right. But we still want to give a shout-out because we had a video shout-out that was really cool that we shot yes, we right did. here. Shot right here on the banks of the Red River. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, it was so cool because... We get a lot of listeners that we communicate with all the time. Yep. Guys, Just we, everyday guys. We always try to respond to emails and, uh, shoot, we have text. people that text all the time and, yep. and, uh, Charlie Newberry out of Henrietta, Texas found out that we were headed this way and he's like, well, I, you know, where are you guys going? And we kind of told him this undisclosed area where right. we were going. And he's like, you're going to drive right by my house. <laughs> so, uh, it was kind of cool that we got a chance to, to meet with him and and we invited him to come by camp. absolutely he yeah. came to camp and and it was funny because um you know he knew him and i have been talking as well mm-hmm. um of their eye hunt and stuff like that so uh we had we had this issue i was talking about and one of our pop-up blinds was messed up and just out of the blue he just he said hey man are you guys okay it's too cold out there do you guys need anything do you got and in between he mentioned heaters, a couple boots. of things heaters <laughs> boots pop-up blind and i'm like uh man we actually do need a pop-up blind because you know it's like one of ours is destroyed yeah one of ours is destroyed oh man i I can have it to you out there today you know what time you want me to come by it's like man it's up to you you know and he's like no i'll be there no time don't worry about it and he was nice enough to uh, bring us one and uh you know we set it up and we were able to hunt out of it even better than the blind but me and chav met him in henrietta right Right, on our way over here his wife made oh, brownies. The brownies. Oh, <laughs> that's right. The Reason. ones you guys yeah. thatched wow. here and never shared with anybody else. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah, and that's Charlie, right. Uh, the yeah, the brownies didn't last very long at all. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank you too for uh, you know we met at uh, the Dairy Queen in Henrietta and yeah. and uh, the parking lot was a nice rink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he made sure I got I got to the front door yeah. safe and sound and and uh, loaded up again. So, yeah. Yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. yeah, heck of a guy for sure. And, yes, and, and we a thank true you. Elk Bros grinder. And here here's a shout out from Charlie. Howdy, Charlie Newberry here from Henrietta, Texas, home of the fighting Henrietta Bearcats and the world famous Turkey Fest, along with the Pioneer Reunion. Shout out to the Elk Bros up here in Henrietta, Texas. Thanks for all you guys do. And uh, keep grinding. Now, now I want you to know that when you see the after you see this video, I mean, some some things are staged because he did not have an Elbrose hat. <laughs> <laughs> he dang sure did. <laughs> so he had he to be sure did. <laughs> he had to be given an Elbrose hat. Sorry, Charlie, I had to put it out there, but but I tell you, I tell you this, you will have. An Elbro's Elbro's hat the next time we meet. That's right. 
Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, Charlie. Your friendship's uh, uh, plenty adored here at Elk Grove, that's for sure, brother. So what we're going to do now is is we're going to get into our, we're we're going back and and hitting our questions. Switching gears. Scenario stuff that's been sent in. We had a whole bunch. We even had a hog question that came in, man. Um, So I I might actually hit the hog question first since uh, since we're in hog camp. And because it's going to be a quick one, he said, hey, Texas bros, <laughs> he said, what's y'all's protocol on eating wild hogs? Is there a certain size they get gamey? Do they get boar taint like domestic hogs? I got a couple of 250-pound boars this morning. Will they be edible? Of course, yeah. So, yeah, they're always edible. But, Mr. Jacob, uh, Mr. Bailey, I'd like to ask you, whereabouts did you kill them? Uh, what kind of feed are they, are they agriculture hogs or are they eating lots of corn and grain and stuff like that? It makes a difference in how the meat tastes. I don't know if you guys ever butchered a, uh, a calf and grass fed beef tastes better, tastes different than grain fed beef. Okay. There's just a different taste to them. As far as gaminess or as far as, uh, how hogs taste and everything, it's really how you prepare the meat okay if you do your best to prepare the meat get them on ice quickly their skin off them don't let them get hot and you get them skint get the hair off of them get them skint and on ice and you change that water religiously on that ice all the time and then Luis and i both brine our hogs too what does that mean bro so we soak them in salt water Okay. How, much, how much salt do you put in? I mean, how do you do that? I put about five tablespoons to, you know, one gallon of water. Okay. okay? All right. So just a little bit of brine. That helps break the enzymes down in the meat. Mm. I brine it, and then, like Louis says, he freezes it for a certain amount of time, which could kill anything in it. Two weeks the, is, is two weeks idea. is Two weeks is what he does, okay? And then... That takes any of the impurities out of the meat by freezing it. And then you got to cook it well done to internal temperature 165. 165. And I make a lot of sausage out of my wild hog meat. Okay. It's really, really however you want to process them. But man, we take and brine those shoulder roasts or those hams. Oh my gosh. And you pull the pork, pulled pork sandwiches. And for pulled pork, one of the things we do is um, we put the meat in water. Yep. And we make the water boil. Yep. And then once the water starts boiling, we drain it yep. and then fill it back up with water, let it boil again, yep. and then drain it. And then that gets all that, the fat off. That, that just helps kind of clean it up even yep. further. Yep. So oh, it's, it's the same for, principle than Pesigia. Correct. Yeah. yeah you, you're boiling any impurities. Well, but, but I'm going to give you a meat. piece of advice. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's perfect. But please put in oregano, onions, and garlic <laughs> for two days. And that's it. Oh, yeah. I, I like that. That's it. Yeah, that's he, put, he soaks his in garlic, onions, and oregano for two days there. But Mr. Bailey, don't let anybody tell you that a 250 pound boar is going to taste bad. If they're good, if they ate good food, they're going to taste yeah. better. And if look, they if they eating cow crap and they ain't got nothing <laughs> to eat and they're skinny and yeah. stuff like that, I'm probably not eating. Right, okay? right. And but if he's yeah. an agriculture pig and he's 250 pounds, that's oh, a yeah. giant. Hog. People that hunt wild hogs know what a 250-pound hog looks like, and that's as big as they get, man. I mean, yeah, there's some 300-pounders out there that are cut and people have fed out, and this, that, and other, but you find a 350-pound hog, people tell you, oh, I killed a 400-pounder, yeah, whatever, okay? <laughs> the wild pigs get about 250, 280 pounds. That's a giant, 
okay? Yeah. And and they got to eat a lot of food to maintain that because their right. bodies uh, they they run off a lot of calories yeah. every day. And 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 this is starting from the assumption that you're you're going to have the the common sense of looking at the animal and kind of telling whether or not he looks sick yep. or he lo- it, it mm-hmm. looks healthy, right? Yeah, if he's two hundred fifty pounds, he's probably healthy. Well, I mean, maybe. you know, but maybe. But if you open them up and, and you see something pus everywhere, it, it pus, or if there's something weird, or oh, weird wound a, and stuff like stink. that, then they, they smell yeah, bad. If they, if they smell like rotten instead yeah. of actually just the, their normal meat. You know, yeah, so <laughs> it, it just those things obviously take into consideration. Cool. Yeah. All right, we hope Jacob. We hope that help you out, buddy. You betcha. Next up, Joel Adair out of Santa Quin, Utah. He said while hi- while hiking into a new canyon that was extremely small and very close quarters with brush and trees, I was cow calling as I was moving into the canyon. Stopped in an area to use brushes for my inconvenient restroom time. <laughs> hey man, I'll hook you up, bro. Sounds familiar. I'll, I'll get you some of our. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll get you a, a camp kit headed your way. How do you call it? <laughs> it's, this sounds like y'all's kind of hunting, man. Yeah. He says, uh, I got up and kept heading deeper into the canyon. I ended up jumping an elk I did not see. I realized at that moment that I left my bugle tube. Where I took a dump, as Luis would say. <laughs> so I backtracked and picked up the tube and headed back up the canyon. I ended up bumping the elk again. But the wind was definitely not in my favor. So I figured I was not going to have a third opportunity on this single elk again. <laughs> I stopped for a while to let the area simmer down. Yeah, it had to have been your odor too, but I just overpowered everything. <laughs> when I got up to move again, the elk had come in again for a third time with the wind blowing straight at it. I did not realize it was there. This time I could hear it really take off. I knew the wind was not in my favor, so I back I went back down the canyon. I was not paying attention to the time of day as it was about 5 p.m. when I turned back down the canyon. The wind switched as I came around a corner and I saw a small herd of about 15 head explode out of the trees and take off in all directions except towards me. So here's my question. I don't know. There was a lot going on in there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, My question is, would the elk return the next day if they took off like the devil was hanging on their tail? So after he blew out the herd, he's wanting to know if the elk would return the next day. Probably not. Probably not, but one of the things that, Mr. Joel, uh, that I'd tell you is you need to slow down. It sounds like to me you're blowing through some elk, so slow down, man. Take your time easing through some areas, especially if you've been calling. A lot of these elk will come in silent. Might have been di- two different bulls that came in on you. Might have been one, you boogered him, and there was another one that already heard you calling, and he was on on his way as well. So slow down going through some of those areas. And uh, when, you, when you're going to pop out into an opening, use your glass. Glass those open areas where you can try and see elk before you pop out in there and blow them up in the trees, man. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, if I blow them up, the, up one side of the mountain, you know, if I come back in there the next day, I can do a few little location calls and figure out whether they're in that area or not. But probably not. If you blow them out, that's, that's a tough deal. Well, and I yeah. think a lot of it depends, too, on... If there was a stream going down that little canyon he was in. Where they had water or food yeah, source. Yeah, if there was water and a food source, you could, know, could probably well wait back. a day or two and they'll be right back. That elk you killed this year was exactly in the same area where we spooked it the day before. Mm-hmm. I drew on him. 
Yeah, we it, both. Yeah, we both did. I drew on him too. Yeah, but he wasn't spooked enough where he left the country. Right, right. No, I mean, yeah. it, it, but, yeah. but he, you know, he he winded us. Yeah, he. But I've seen I've seen elk blow out of a place, run two hundred yards up on a ridge, and just stop up there, and then just stay there. I mean, you know, it just depends on like when you boogered them. You know, you said it was five p.m. Mm-hmm. You know, when you turned back down. So at five p.m., these critters are moving to a destination mm-hmm. already. Yeah. So they might have just boogered up, and then once realized that it was safe, actually come back. Right. I've seen that, man. I've seen them double just, back. yeah, they'll just double right back and go the way that they want to. So, um, and if you saw them at 5 p.m., you know, you probably saw them in a transition area. Yeah. So that's something to think about as well, that, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a place where you're just going to find them staying. It could just be that they were going from point A to point B through transition. Yeah. So, uh you know, um, yeah, I, I always think, um, especially if it's just one person and you didn't stay on them and you just keep pounding on them and chase them over a ridge, yeah, they could absolutely not go very far, Joel, and actually hang in the area, man. Those bulls, though, that, uh, I'm trying to figure out what you, what you're putting down there, man, whatever you eat, because <laughs> to attract this bull in, or you have some real strong cover scent, man. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, look, it sounds like whatever cow talk you were doing was good. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. they liked it. Yeah. So when they come back a couple, it's not unheard of to call a bull back two or three times. I mean, if you ask Brendan, I've, I've called a bull back seven or eight times that was wanting to leave. But we sounded sweet enough and made it look right enough where he came back. So no problem with you calling him back. Hope that helps out, Joel. Um, if it's, if you had any question that developed out of that answer, ask away, man. We'll try to help you out. Next up is Christopher Talbot out of Las Lunas, New Mexico. And uh, he said, I tracked a herd up to almost the top of a ridge and stopped when I heard the trees briefly crash. Listening, I heard what I took to be... A casual sounding roundup bugle. Okay? Having just an open reed cow call, I considered saying nothing but thought better of this and chose an active approach with a roundup mute. He responded with an aggressive sounding bugle to which I responded with a more aggressive, insistent roundup mute. Then I heard what I thought at the time was him bugle again, apparently after traveling from my 12 o'clock position to approximately my 3 o'clock position. At this point, I figured he and the herd were traveling my way, so I took a knee and waited for approximately 10 to 15 minutes with no further interactions or noises at all. Attempting to close the gap seemed a good option as I stood up and took a few steps in the direction of the last bugle, and then all of a sudden I see light-colored rear ends booking it. I dropped and attempted a cow call, but they weren't stopping. Now, before I go to the rest of his here... You know, what do you think just happened there? He got impatient. Yeah. Yeah. They were coming in. Yeah, he didn't wait. Yeah. They were just coming around his wind. That Yeah, they were absolutely coming in. He gets up, and they see him, boom. You know, he got busted by a cow. That cow turns and runs, and there they go, right? So he said, hindsight being 20-20, I think I should have attempted a sprint to intercept where I thought they were going as this is what I did the next day with good results. Um, 
I know Chris was hunting, I think, in a, in an area in New Mexico that we had actually had a conversation about that. But that any additional advice for a beginner? Look, when you see them bust out and they start taking off, again, just, if just what we just said with Joel does not mean they've left the country. A lot of times they will take off, especially if they're in a big group. Because what happens with a big group is, well, and they want to keep track of each other, right? They start talking. Yeah, they'll start talking, try to find out. You want to be the one that is being left behind, right? They wait for you, and then you slowly lost cow. Yep. Yeah, or indefinitely you can get on that side of them in parallel and try to catch up to them. Yeah, you don't have to give up. Uh, I know a lot of people give up on animals when they see them blow out and say, oh, I've been busted. I'm not able to tell you how many times, you know, we've still gotten on those critters, Especially man. if we got the wind. Yes, Especially absolutely. if we got the wind. So, um, I don't know if it's necessarily always sprinting, but if you're in, in, in good enough shape and you got clear enough country and you're able to do that where you think they're going, uh, it doesn't hurt, man. I mean, it's not a bad move to do. I mean, I've done, I just did a sprint just recently to get a cow elk. Kind of same. Well, and, and what about the, the one before, the bull you got? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got the same situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The same situation. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, well, when we were on top and they started splitting yeah. off and yeah. everything. Yeah. 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 They had seen some of us and busted For out. sure. You know? Yeah. But because of the big group. They heard me breathing hard. They started herd talk. <laughs> yeah. We actually slowed them down with herd talk. Did. Mm-hmm. And then we were able to parallel them and get in position. So actually split the herd. Yes, actually split the herd. Mm-hmm. One went with it some did. bulls this way, and a big herd bull had the other yeah. part. And then I had some satellites off to the right hand side. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it was fantastic. But his his idea about you know if he hears them going that direction, yeah, cut the distance, brother. Especially if they're if they're out there two hundred yards, cut that distance in half. Mm-hmm. Right. If you got a you got enough cover where you can not be seen go cut that distance in half if you're going to wait right there you know then then you've got to have that solid plan of about 45 minutes waiting right there right yeah. especially if you're talking to them the whole time because yeah, if you're talking thing, don't mean they got to lit they, they got to sound back that's the thing i didn't hear him say was he How set up he and he waited for 10 or 15 minutes because he thought they were coming his way mm-hmm. and what i always like to do chris is i like to hang just a little <clears throat> bit of bait out there mm-hmm. so i'll try to throw just one cow call back behind me in the direction that i want them to come that's a good move right yeah there. just just hang a piece of bait out there so that they know i mean because when they're coming your way they they are trying to locate where you're at so i give them a little bit but not my location i don't want to call towards them and i don't want to call so they can peg me where i'm at i want to throw that call back behind me if possible i know it's tough with an open call read but you can turn around cup your hands and call back away from you when you do that lightly so that that's us that's what we would have done there's maybe other places to handle it but i hope that helps you out man um David Zaitsev from Vancouver, Washington, and he's hunting rosies. And he says that uh, he's very new to elk calling, and he was walking around throwing a couple of calls out and waiting maybe 30 seconds to a few minutes for a response and then (laughs) moving off to the next location. He says, uh, I know now after listening to your podcast I should wait a lot longer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I ended up bumping a cow and bull. They saw me move right after making a bugle, and we started going up after them. 
it was bushy, so we were moving fairly slowly up the hill, and I was bugling and cow calling a little bit as we were moving up the hill to find those elk I just bumped. We got maybe halfway up this small hill, a couple hundred feet in elevation, and my hunter partner alerts me to something moving laterally up the hill from us on our side. It was a nice four-point bull, different than the bull I bumped earlier, heading up the hill next to us, just 60 yards away from us at some point in his walk up the hill. Oh, he was only 60 yards at some point in that walk. I did have an arrow knocked and ready to shoot, but I thought at the time he was too far to make the shot, so I let him walk by, and then I tried to cow call him in closer before he got out of vision. Hmm. So he had an arrow knocked, and then he thought he was too far to take the shot, so he let him walk by. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He did not stop or even look back at my cow call and went up and over the hill. We went after him trying to find him and sneak up on him. I never saw the bull again, so I'm pretty sure I did not make the right move after he walked by us uh, or before it. My question is, what should I have done after the bull walked right past us? Should I have bugled or no. cow called? Or both. I'm pretty sure I should have done some sort of calling sequence in that area and stayed put for at least 30 minutes until moving on to the next location. What do y'all think? There's a lot in there. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Done. Let it go. Yeah. Draw. Yeah. Let it rip. (laughs) You know he's 60 yards. Put him down, brother. If that's your effective killing range, right, Joe? Yeah, if you know, it is. But you, you know, you gotta stop him. You, you gotta try something. You gotta, number one, you gotta draw your bow. And, the, and if you, it's in your killing range, you gotta stop the animal. So, I would not bugle because bulls act differently. If you just scream a big bugle at him, you may spook him. He may yeah. think it's a giant bull around there, and he may spook. Yeah. But if you softly cow call to him, he's going to yeah. stop. Just like Joe tried to uh, cow call one of the pigs to stop it. Didn't go. Yeah, it didn't work very well. <laughs> no, he didn't do it, but he he, he thought about it for sure. <laughs> now, I growled at his he growled, pig. Yeah. I growled at his pig, and it did stop. You know, just like that, man. Growled at him and he stopped. But it took me a couple growls before he kind of hurt us, right? But if you if you cow call ninety percent of the time, then bulls are going to stop and look your way yeah. and turn broadside. Generally, when a bull walks by you, um, it just depends. Uh, you know, you have one where he's walking in parallel going up. I'd have kept <clears throat> going in parallel with him myself and tried to just close it as we were moving up. And maybe done some cow calls as I was doing that. Yeah, he's not paying attention to it because he's he's dogging. He's going someplace and he's he already knows that there's elk in the area mm-hmm. that are making those calls. So it's not must not be what he's after. Now, what Gilbert told you about not to make a big bull call. I'm just going to tell this story because I thought that exact same thing. Chav and I, we are moving and we spot this bull up above us. And this bull is just a small rag. Yeah. And he's trashing on this juniper. You were filming with the camera, and I had my boat. Remember, you were following behind me. This is, uh, we were going up the drainage right there um, on the Circle Road at White's. So um, we're going up, and <laughs> and we see, we see this bull, and he's trashing this juniper. So we're about 80 yards from him. So, of course, I... 
Jojo, you have to call, right? So I, I set up and I sounded, first I did some cow call. He'd raise his head up, then he'd go back to trash in that juniper. So I was like, okay, let me try. I'm trying to figure out what's going to push his buttons. And so I make a small, weak bugle. He raises his head up, and he goes back and starts trashing that tree. And I kept doing this. I tried, I kept trying to sound like a little herd and with a small bull. And he'd look, and then he'd go back to the track. I was getting so pissed. I told Chad, I'm just going to walk up there and kill him, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and which I should have probably done. Yeah. You know? But it's kind of like what I told you when we were in the blind. I was in the blind with Luis, and there was about a bunch of white tail does out there in front of us and i was doing things like i was tapping my bow and i was making little little noises uh-huh. and he goes what are you doing you're going to educate him and i was like actually i'm trying to educate me yeah. i'm trying to find out what i yeah. can get away with yeah. right this is the times where you were actually awake yeah. <laughs> 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 it gets so warm in there man. <laughs> buddy eater <laughs> 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 And so, so what I did with this bull was I decided I'm going to try one more thing. I did the biggest, nastiest herd bull, aggressive sound, threw it back behind me. He threw his head and he started coming. Wow. Yeah. And well, maybe if you got some distance, that'd be a good thing to do. But I also he was only eighty yards. I I know, yeah, that's plenty of distance. I also watched one this year. You put a bugle on, and he freaked (laughs) out, blew up like a hand grenade. Oh yeah, yeah, like a hand grenade (laughs) hit him, right? Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely (laughs) hand grenaded this bull. And if Joe just draws his traumatized him for life, I think think they saw that bull last year in Texas. (laughs) That bull, that bull left a that bull left left a shit stain in his drawer. I you, yes. So, so again, man, David, it's you know, comic six to one, half dozen the other. For me, I we I like to be a lover before I'm a fighter, or, or I'm, I'm cow sounds before bull sounds. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to try the cow sound first, and if that ain't gotten his attention, like Joe said, go ahead and you know scream a scream a little bugle at him. But I wouldn't hit him with the, with well, the big raunchy guy first. So, <laughs> so I, uh, again, think about it. I'm not reacting to anything he did. I threw out a call back That's over right. there, yes. almost like there was something going yeah. on, and yeah. I think he. He realized that there's a herd bull with, yeah, with cows. cows. Now I'm coming. Yeah, and I so he was going to go check it out. Yeah. Almost, almost like a slow play whole deal. Right? Yeah, it, yeah, you know, it's kind of like one thing like that. So that's, and then I ended up shooting that booger at 30 yards. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve, so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. 
Our base camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Base Camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. You know, uh, Joe gets all the close shots. Because right? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Joe's a good cop. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, so, so that's just some of those things that could happen, man. Um... Yeah, it, uh, when you have a bull that's going in parallel though, and he has no idea that you're there and he's responding to yeah, all that conversation. Just that in there yeah, just, I'd, I'd try moving up with him and, and angling towards him. I'll tell that's you, I'll tell doing. you one thing. If elk don't know I'm there, I'm not alerting him to where I am at. Because mm-hmm. especially if I can sneak in there on him, I feel like I can get him in that 40 yard range. I got to close 20 more yards. And if he dawdles or stops at all, you know, I'm going to get him. And I don't have to say anything to alert him to my presence. An elk that doesn't know you there is a whole lot easier to take down than one that's wary, you know. Now, and, and it's looking for other elk. Now, you know? you're hunting rose, rosies too, David. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think with rosies, I might have tried a more aggressive act because some of those are like kind of territorial. So oh, I might true. have thought about that. True, and it's denser cover yeah, sometimes. a lot too. denser. Yeah. And if it's thick like that, it gives you a chance to move in on them. Right. All right. Um, okay, Michael Scrogan. He said that uh, he was listening to our Q&A podcast, and he had a question of his own. Cattle, how do they change a hunt, and what should you expect? He said, I went scouting in August last year. Elk everywhere. Elk sign everywhere. A herd of bulls nearly trampled us. Put up four cams, and all month long, we had herds on camera. One week before the season, it all stops. No more elk. Just cattle on the camps. We had a few days and don't see anything but cattle. Did they bring cattle in there or were the cattle there already? It it's it sounds to me like they moved cattle into the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anytime there's something new introduced into some country that could probably upset the mm-hmm. apple cart with their of their routine, you know, uh might take a couple weeks before they come back. Or was he in a season area where they 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 spend the summer? 
and then their migration takes them on out towards, you know, their the cows are migrating and the bulls are migrating, right? They, so that's and they do compete for the same yeah, food. They do. They compete yeah. heavily. I was going to say, I'm not 100% sure how it affects uh, elk, but, you know, we know that it it, it pushes uh, hogs and, and, oh, deer, and deer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're fighting for the same food. Mm, I mean, elk primarily like to eat the grass. Right. You know, they're going to save the other stuff for later on, you know, the, 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 the stick, the woody branches that they're going to save for later when the winter comes. What? Well, they compete for that grass. We've hunted in a lot of places that's had cattle. Uh, yes, right? we have. And, and you've seen elk don't like them cows. Yeah. You know, they don't like being around them very much, especially if they were just introduced, right? I think once they get used to them, right. you know, everything, they, elk that have grown up with cows probably don't mind them. Walk right through the middle of them. But. And some of those cows act as wild as some of the elk. Oh my gosh, yeah. absolutely. And we'll tip the elk off oh, with your presence, you know, because they're <laughs> wild <elk>. cows. <laughs> you know, yes, yeah, slow elk. Slow elk. Slow elk. Yeah, <laughs> slow elk. yeah absolutely. But yeah, and I, I, I've hated it because there's been areas where I've seen them coexist, right? Yeah, right? It's not like elk are scared of cattle or cattle scared of elk. It's just that, I mean, you saw that on, on Carl's place, right? Absolutely. Yeah, but it's that there is a competition, man, when, when that happens. And what I don't like is sometimes you'll have a bull coming in, and you'll spook the cattle, and the cattle will scare the elk because exactly. they go they're the best watchdog. Yeah. You know, for sure. We do that nil guy hunting down there on the Kennedy Ranch. The cows are your number one nemesis because they spook and all the nil guys spook. Yeah. You know, right. For sure. I, I will tell you this though, Michael, that you can actually, before you go into an area, you can check with that state's division of wildlife and their leases for their, for their ag and for the cattle leases. That's public information. You can find out when they're going to be in there, when they're not going to be in there, who the lease is. They even give you a lot of times you can get contact numbers and talk to some of the people. And it doesn't hurt because you can actually talk to those people that have cattle out there because they work those areas a lot, and they can tell you what they're seeing with the elk as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Jason Schultz, what tips do you guys have for someone coming out there into big country what avenues are there avenues are there for me to learn more? And he's saying to learn more about the country. He said, I know they have technology these day, these days, apps and GPSs, but they ain't no good if you don't know how to use them. <laughs> I had Onyx and I still didn't leave farther than three miles from camp myself because I wasn't confident. Thank you kindly guys. Uh let's see if I can sneak in a shout out for you guys here soon. Keep riding. Jason Schultz. Well, I think he 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 has to rely on the new technology. Oh, practice, I mean, practice, yeah. practice using it. Uh, I don't know if you have a place where you can go, where you, you know, where you kind of know the area and and feel comfortable, and then then open up the app and then just kind of you know practice manipulating the app and walking through and then really watching not. it and tracking your progress. Um, putting the tracker on as you, as you walk around and looking at the markers, I, you know, that's a good way to build the confidence in the app, right? If, if you don't feel strong with it, but, uh, get good with Google. Yeah. Get yeah. good with Google. And I, I mean, there, are, there are some applications out there with Mr. Livesey's, uh, way to learn how to e-scout and stuff like that. I mean, there's things out there, but I'm going to tell you right now, 
You got to fix yourself before you go out there, brother. You need to subscribe to our base camp, and that will help <laughs> you with all of the above, brother. So I'm not just putting some sh- shameless plug out there. These guys sitting here at this table with me have over a hundred years of elk hunting knowledge in that base camp. And so if you want to arm yourself with some, arm yourself with some knowledge of number one, how to get in there on elk, how to call to them, and how to use some of these tools that you're talking about to get yourself in better, better position to score. And you know? I, I would tell you too, man, is, you know, like, like Luis was saying, you got to practice with it, but there's some things in there that just in their most basic, like if you just mark your camp as a waypoint, damn, you can never get lost. Then no matter where you go, all you got to do is tell it go to that waypoint, and it's going to give you a direction to it. Now, if you don't trust it so much, I keep a compass in my pocket all the time, and whenever it tells me. It's going to give me the direction that can be, coordinates can be, well not coordinates, but they can tell me the bearing that I can put on the compass. And I, a lot of times I don't even use my GPS after that. I just put the bearing on the compass and I start following well, that. Well, I'd rather get the, the app because after you <laughs> tell the story, the, 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 the He likes going in circles. No, oh, the, 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 no, the, no, the, 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 the compass. Night? Yeah. The at night one? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, so so I was wearing a red light one time with a compass, and a red light turns red-white, right? Yeah. So, I, and the white was red, so I was actually reading the needle on the compass backwards. Yeah. And, and I'm away. going, and Chav's like, Joe, uh, I think we're going the wrong way. After one hour. <laughs> he wouldn't tell you. He I was like, no, dude, look at the compass. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, I'm going to tell you right now, you need to learn to trust that GPS. Yeah. It yeah, does not rely, lie. Rely on it, 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 it. Everything we do from flying an airplane to outer space to... Get here. To Google trucks, <laughs> to where you go in your vehicle... All of those things are run by satellites above us, and those satellites bounce signals off of our GPS, and they know within, most of you can get within three feet of where you want to be. I, I use them fishing. My GPS can mark, put me on a spot within two feet of where I'm at, and when I can't see in the fog or in the dark, I know if I've got a trail, I can run that trail, and I'm not going to hit anything uh, out there, and it, I trust that GPS in my hand. If you're worried about losing charge or whatever that that puts you Poseidon in your backpack or some type of battery charger and a cord that works uh, to be able to charge your device and or extra batteries in your yeah. your handheld GPS. But brother, go out there and try to get lost with one yeah. of them things. You can't do it. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. I think it's also a level of comfort of manipulating the app. Yeah. And, and, and thus the, the advice of, hey, just yeah. just try it out. You know, if you know, go to a park or something that you, you know, feel comfortable. And there's with. great sit, tutorials. Sit yourself waypoints. Yeah. Um, try, you know, try for yeah, fun yeah. just going to that waypoint and track your, you know, just, just play with it. Uh, Many things on YouTube as well. Tutorials on how to work sure. apps, how to work GPS is yeah. how to work Google, those yeah. kinds of things. So there's lots of inf- lots of 
technology and info out there if you're willing to dive into it and look. It'll, get, it'll be a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. It, because, number one, that three miles, when you're limiting yourself and you're staying to trails, you're, you're doing just that. You're limiting yourself. So you just limited your opportunities. And, you know, the... If you look in the show notes to this, um, to this podcast, you'll see that, uh, you can go to Mark Livesey's, uh, Treeline Pursuits, his e-scouting course, and it'll teach you how to e-scout. It's extensive. You can get as much or as little from it as you want. <laughs> but we have a, we have a huge discount with the Elk Bros code, uh, with Elk Bros. All you gotta do, that's the promo code, Elk Bros. And Big you can get that. Yeah, yeah, you can get a good discount with that. So, does Mark um, have a podcast himself? Uh, he's been on a lot of podcasts. He doesn't have his own podcast, but yeah. So that's the only thing I want to tell you, man. Because really, necessity is the mother of all invention. If you really want to learn about that big country, then learn to use these apps and stuff that 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 are going to make you better and give you better confidence. Right? Game changer. Yeah, Yeah, game changer. So the last one. The last one that we have here is from Jamie Foster from Monroe City, Indiana. He says, my question is, what are your last-minute preparations? Oh, and I'm sure I'm sure Luis is the, the one to ask for this, man. Uh, what are you doing when you're loading up the truck and trailer to head out? We're heading out for Indiana or from Indiana, so we have a long 22-hour drive to get where we're going. So what maybe should we be doing on our drive or maybe listening to? Would would be great if uh, you made a special podcast just to listen to on our first trip. <laughs> oh, what for these amazing animals? Anything, how, many, how many podcasts do we have, Joe, out there? Um, so this is 155. What was going to say? Jamie, just, just start at number one. Yeah. Start at number one. Let's see how many you can get through by the time you get there. There's plenty of content in the Elk Bros podcast, brother, and all of it's really good. But as far as the stuff that you need to start in your last-minute preparations, man, definitely 100% have got to not forget your pillow. <laughs> Let me tell you, this these boys in this camp, Right yeah. now, forgot pillows, and they had to go buy pillows, okay? Yeah. So I'm telling you right now, pillow makes it extremely uh, extremely more comfortable wherever you're sleeping. Um, and, and you know, some of us are sleeping in our vehicles. you, you got to have a pillow, man. I mean, lay your head down on right? I, I, I added one hour to my, to my trip. This time because I forgot my pillows. They and, had to turn around my blankets. I turned around. I was already half hour into my trip and then I. It's sixteen off. degrees here. You don't yeah. have no pillows and no blankets. You're yeah. in the bind. Man. Yeah. That's <laughs> got to be one of your number one provisions. Water. Make sure you guys carry enough water when y'all are traveling. You never know what's going to happen. You have a flat or whatever. You need to have some water on board with you so you can have. Uh, what you live a long time with just water. You don't have to eat food for quite a while you can go a couple weeks without food but you gotta have water man so have some of that big time y'all are pulling a trailer check the air in your tires man super important to be able to have the right pressure if you're going to be real hot country traveling probably want to up your pressure to as max if you're going to be cold you can probably run five pounds less but don't don't under inflate your tires on your trailer because you're going to have blowouts believe me i've had many of them right so at the end of the day uh you guys 
make sure your bearings are really good and greased and stuff like that. And make sure you got good trailer tire air in your trailer tires. You think anything else, Luis? Your last minute preparations, what you... You well, know, but Luis's last minute preparation yeah. is a month long. Right. Right. I mean, <laughs> make sure you got your licenses that's, that's with you. Make sure you got your licenses with cash. you. Uh, cash. Um, uh, you know, if you're going to have anything the... propane operated, make sure you have enough fuel. Sources of energy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, propane tanks, gasoline, yeah. um, and or power banks. Yeah. Uh, and make sure that you know chargers. Yep. Uh, for anything batteries. that you may need batteries, right? Yep. So, um, and and remember those little things that are so you know they're like part of your routine at home. Medicines, you, yeah, your yeah, medicines, medicines. Whether you, you know wipes, uh, yeah, I have to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> baby wipes. Yeah. Uh, you know Man things pump. like if That's if right. you wear hearing aids, you got to have the parts to that that. You know, in case you have to do some replacements or anything like that. But the medication is huge, man. Yes, glasses. You get up there and you have the wrong medications well, or don't have them. And anything, anything that you may need that, you know, because you, you're going to be outside of your routine, meaning you're going to mm-hmm. be e- eating different foods, right. sleeping different hours. So you may get catch something on your stomach and, you you know, you, you may need. Blood, I already said Well, or you may get, catch a fever or something like that that, mm-hmm. you know, you may need medicine that is not your regular prescription but something for some right. sort of an emergency right. is what i mean right yeah. so yeah because i mean but, think about well, it man when chab got sick out yeah. there in 2019 right. when, when he broke out and he had trouble breathing i we mean thought it was shellfish. yeah you you had the benadryl Absolutely. you know that yeah. that helped him a ton out yeah. there so. it got him it got him to where we could get him stable and get him somewhere where you could get some help. I, yeah. Guys, if you have any allergic reactions to bug bites or anything like that, I'm extremely allergic to my shadow. Okay, so everything that's out there, I'm allergic to. If it's dust, can't hack it. A bug bite, a big wasp sting, anything like that, man, I, I'm going to go into anaphylactic shock. My 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 airways are going to ch- close up. So I carry a rescue inhaler with me at all times. And I carry Benadryl yeah. in my backpack. So you're allergic yeah. to the dust, but not the frangelica. Right? Exactly. Not so frangelica. I'm the other very, thing okay. is, I can d- drink it okay. The, the other thing is, um, understand your routes and uh, understand your nearest cities. Yep. You know, you know, keep in mind hospitals or anything important like that. And then um, also, uh, when 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 you're traveling. Um, you know, it's important to have emergency contact information on your phone if something happens to you and somebody catches a hold of you or something yeah, especially like Especially even like, in the area that you're going. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, if you're going to be in a certain area and something goes wrong, it, you don't want to be looking for that emergency mm-hmm. contact. And, and be able to communicate and let people know where you're at. Right. Joe DeZolio has been a, a yeah. huge... Mm-hmm game changer for us being able to speak to one another be able to speak with our loved ones and it's got an sos feature on it Mm -hmm. so if you get in a bind you push it here come the cavalry people and that brings me to another point i was wanting to mention earlier i kind of forgot about it is the weather so if you can monitor the weather huge of the you know depending on the amount of days you're going to be there zolio has an option to do that too but if you have cell phone reception keep an eye on close eye on the weather because it can tip you off on potential issues that may come in the following days, like that, that, that blizzard time, that, that blizzard that hit us, it, it was, you know, 
They said we, temperatures going to drop. They didn't tell us we we're getting six inches of snow. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Four. But, oh, but I mean, it can, it can at least, you know, we started talking about what do we need to do. Right. We'd never done a fire on camp and then we decided well, we hey, gathered fire this is going to we <laughs> went to guy <laughs> so, so now we know why we don't have a fire in El camp because Luis tried doing a fire at hog camp in the wind and, uh, he left it for only five minutes in the wind and yeah I did <laughs> and so we had a controlled burn out here yeah <laughs> it's very controlled okay. some good green grass I just here. I just had to run for a little bit to try, kind of get to the edge of it oh and try God. to just like <laughs> I was, I was sure, I was like, sure oh stepping God. on it and calling Victor to help me out and you know put, put out put out I like to see that jig being uh, dance that's for sure yeah uh, this is funny I learned a lot with the heavy arrows they learned something with the fire so <laughs> uh, uh, Jamie, one thing I was going to tell you, though, man, for me is your last-minute preparations are best not to have last-minute preparations. So um, that's that's something that, you know, the more you have everything lined out ahead of time so you know where it's at, where it's located, what you have, where it's going to be if you need it while you're there, all of that that you do are going to give you an uh, an. Uh, a comfort zone and ease on your mind so that you're not like not getting good sleep trying to think about what am I forgetting and blah 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 try to take care of all that ahead of time if you're having to do everything last minute it's a bad way to feel a lot you know trust me I've been there I've done that and luckily I've done it enough that I kind of know what should be where and what should be there so um I'll tell you, if anything, you're probably going to end up taking more than you actually need. Yes, and, I always do. Yeah, but I know someone. Yeah, look, you got a 22 hour drive ahead of you, brother. For me, when I head out to elk camp, I always want to brush up on the stuff that's going to help me most, right? Yeah. Which is my calling, mm-hmm. right? We, Joe and I, we all in camp feel like that if we can speak the language, we got an opportunity to kill elk every time we go into the woods. So I'm listening to Joe Gillia. I'm listening to. Paul Medell. We're talking about situational elk calling, right? I think Paul's one of the best out there at providing scenarios and how he calls elk. So if you want to listen to something that's really going to get you in tune with the situational part of your elk hunting and your calling, especially if it's DIY or if you're doing it yourself, that's something I, I would definitely listen to on my podcast or, or, or listen to, you know, uh, his app, the Elk Nut app. Yeah. Uh, and we love Paul here. So yeah. we, yeah. we'll uh, give him a plug for that for sure. And, That'll help you on your hunt because knowing how to speak the language and what the elk are talking to you about is a big, big deal. A game changer for us. Yeah. Maybe maybe his idea of us doing a podcast for people to listen to, you know, getting them ready on the road might be a good idea, man. Yeah, man. We We might might give it a try. For sure. That's a great idea, bud. Thanks a lot, Jamie, man. Um, Go get them this year. You betcha. Joe... Uh, you know, closing us out here. Guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. you got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us and check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, if any of our listens, listeners would like their questions answered on our show, just send your question in to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. Like we say here in the Sooner State, husbands kiss your wives, wives kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry, and we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. And, and what's going on now, bro? Oh, we have got 
For all of our grinders out there, here's some more music from our brother Tony Wintrip to close out the show. Tony! Woo! <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Peace, peace. Peace, peace. Strap on those spikes, boy. Leave the world behind. There's dreams here to chase. And you got the rest of your life. The grass is cut. The dirt is dry. Was made to run on. The sun now is shining and the wind is laying down. So pick up that bat ball and leather on the ground. And smile as big as the blue sky. This field was made to run on.
and your troubles all behind. Everybody is a leader, shaking all high fives. No back talk, no trash talk. Play hard all the time, or you'll find yourself on the hardwood. You don't run between. Them.